Welcome to the Faith at Work podcast. The Faith at Work blog and podcast have grown out of my work as a corporate chaplain at a construction company and a transport and logistics company. The assumption that drives Faith at Work is that we all have spiritual needs to be met at home and on the job. Work permeates our lives. Some of us go off to work in the morning to an office or a job site. Some people spend major chunks of their lives driving over the road. Some of us work at home, either through a remote connection to an office or doing the hard work of parenting and running a household. If we're retired, we're trying to adjust to a new life routine and put into perspective what all the years on the job were all about. I think it's important for all of us to think about the meaning of work and more specifically, how our faith informs and influences our relationship with our labor, no matter what form that labor takes. I'll be turning to Scripture and drawing on Scripture as we examine faith, life, and work. Let me start with a question. Is work a curse? I know that sometimes it feels that way. I've had many a morning when I had to drag myself out of bed because of something I dreaded coming up at work that day. I felt that dread on the mornings working at a gas station in the middle of an Iowa winter when I knew that I would spend my days shivering out in the wind, starting stalled cars, my hands soaked with frigid gas and my feet frozen to senseless blocks, dragging myself around vermin-infested crawl spaces, eating dirt and banging my head on floor joists when I was working as a termite inspector, caused me to wonder sometimes what I'd done to earn God's wrath. I'm sure you can relate a few cursed moments from your own work life. Now, the Bible says that work is a curse. In the book of Genesis, God tells Adam that work is the curse that he will receive for disobeying him and eating of the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden. God says there, Because you have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it any more. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. And the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes is also not too high on work. Listen to what this guy says. I hated all the toil in which I had toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me? And who knows whether they will be wise or foolish? Yet they will be master of all which I toiled for, and used my wisdom under the sun. So I turned and gave my heart up to despair concerning all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes one who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. What do mortals get for all the toil and strain with which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain and their work is a vexation. Even at night their minds do not rest. Sounds like this guy had a really bad day at work. You work hard all your life, you die, and then you leave it to somebody else who didn't deserve it to enjoy. That's the sentiment you often see on the bumper stickers of luxurious RVs rolling down the highway that say, I'm spending my children's inheritance. 
Yes, work can certainly feel like a curse, but it doesn't have to. In all honesty, I loved my job working at Bob's Standard Station all through high school and college. I took that job voluntarily, and the job paid my way through college. And even crawling under houses had some appeal. That was good, honest, maybe dirty, labor. I sometimes feel like I qualified to be on Mike Rowe's TV show, Dirty Jobs. But I can look back with pride at working hard jobs that were necessary along my life journey. But if we feel day in and day out that we're being punished by our work, something's wrong. Now the Bible gives us plenty of examples of hard-working people, not the least of whom was Jesus. We don't know for sure what Jesus did for a living before he took to the road as a prophet, but tradition has long held that Jesus was a carpenter, as was his father Joseph. In the archaeological ruins of Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, the remains of a carpenter's shop have been unearthed. Although we can't know if it bears any connection to Joseph or his famous son Jesus, it certainly fires the imagination. But even more interesting to me, archaeologists have excavated the ruins of Sepphoris, a major city near Nazareth, which was under construction during the life of Jesus. Knowing about that construction project, and the fact that the word used in the Bible for carpenter could be better translated as construction worker, might give us a different view of the Jesus family trade. Now picture Joseph and his son working side by side, installing heavy timbers on a commercial job site. It's certainly feasible. And since we know that Jesus did not begin his ministry journey until he was nearly 30, he may have had a long career in construction. Not only did Jesus have a history of hard work, he recruited his followers from hard-working folk, most notably Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who were all fishermen, a physically demanding and reputable occupation in Jesus' time. Jesus also refers to farmers and all kinds of agricultural workers in his teaching stories. He respected people who put in a hard day's work for a day's pay. Another famous worker in the Bible was the Apostle Paul. While he traveled around the Mediterranean establishing churches, Paul kept working at his trade as a tent maker. He talks about how hard he worked in a letter he wrote to the people in Thessalonica. He says, You remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters. We worked night and day, so that we might not burden any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And he gets downright harsh about people pulling their own weight. He says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. Now I guess I should throw God into the mix of hard workers in the Bible. We know that he put in a good solid six days of work creating the universe. Even he needed a day off after that task. And we can assume that he still employed running the operation that he created, managing his rebellious human creation not being the least of his ongoing duties. So despite God's curse on Adam for his sin, the Bible portrays work as a necessary and respectable thing. Let me turn it around. Not only is work not a curse, 
work is a blessing. Our work provides our lives with purpose and meaning, as well as food and shelter and maybe a nice car. Let me share with you a few thoughts about work, biblical and otherwise. Work can be sacrificial, but that's different from being a curse. A sacrifice is something that we do that benefits someone else over ourselves. Sacrifice is not for suckers, as some people might tell you, because sacrifice is motivated by love. For Christians, two sacrifices stand out. First is God's sacrificial gift of His Son. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And second, Jesus gave His life as a sacrifice for our sins. Sacrifice is the highest honor. Much of our work involves sacrifice. Many of us are devoting our time and our labor to support our families and the people we love. And while we may grumble about paying income taxes, they represent a sacrifice that we're making for the good of people in our country, most of whom we don't even know. When we go above and beyond the call of duty on our jobs, we're making a sacrifice to benefit our country and our employer. Those are acts of love. Not only can we love our work, we can love through our work. Something that occurs to me as someone who has had a wide variety of work experiences, many of them not so glamorous, is that all honest jobs are deserving of respect. My dad worked as a school janitor in the same elementary school for over 40 years. Now, I use the word janitor instead of custodian intentionally. Dad would have considered calling himself a custodian a bit pretentious. In those 40 years, my dad established himself as one of the most trusted and valued members of the school staff. He maintained the mechanicals, kept the place spotless, provided teachers what they needed to operate their classrooms, and most of all, earned the love and respect of generations of students for whom he served as a role model. Mr. Melvin turned a simple job into an invaluable vocation and a lifelong career of which he was rightfully proud. The Apostle Paul talks about how people all have unique and valuable roles in spiritual and church communities, and in life in general. He could just as well be talking about how we all apply our unique gifts in our jobs. He wrote, Indeed, the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
you can and should be proud of your work. Like my dad, you may be working at a job that doesn't possess a lot of prestige in the eyes of some people. And like him, you may devote your life to that job, bringing it dignity through your commitment and hard work. Or you may see your current employment as a step to something that you consider more meaningful or fulfilling. But either way, honor your own path and honor the paths that others choose in their work. We all belong to the same body, that is, humankind. We all play our own important part. You may have seen the inspirational poster that reads, Work Smarter, Not Harder. Now, I understand the wisdom of this saying. On the other hand, there is nothing wrong with hard work. Our country was founded on hard work, and we can still pride ourselves on hard work. Your hard work may be physical or mental, but if you work hard, you go home tired at the end of the day. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with getting your hands dirty either. One of the most important things we can do to help us see our work as a blessing rather than a curse is to think about and act upon a higher purpose for our work. We have to work to fulfill our basic needs. And there's nothing wrong with striving for professional and economic success. We should not, however, neglect the spiritual aspects of our work life. Jesus states it best when he says, Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. It might be a good idea to start each day by asking yourself, what am I working for today? If your only answer is a paycheck, it might be a good day to sit yourself down and have a heart-to-heart talk with yourself. Ask yourself, what is my higher calling? Most of my friends are retired or retiring, and I've been noticing some consistent trends among them. Before the balloons from their retirement parties have started to deflate, they start wondering about how they are going to fill their days. They look for bridge groups or golf leagues to join. My teacher friends take on substitute teaching jobs. And some look for community or church organizations who need their skills. For some, not all, retirement becomes the curse. No matter how important our work is, it should not own us. I think that the word I would use to sum up what I've been talking about is balance. Honorable, meaningful, and productive work is a part of a fulfilling and happy life. Through our work, we support our families and contribute to society. In our service to others, we are also serving God. But the time we spend with our families and relationships outside of work is also important. It's sacred. So I'll close with the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. On the seventh day, God took a day off. And God enshrined that day off in his list of universal laws. No matter how important our work, and no matter how much we love it, We need regular breaks from it. So work hard. Be proud of what you do. And don't forget to take a day off. And may God bless you in whatever you do. I want to thank you for joining me for the Faith at Work podcast today. Whether you're at work, at home, or somewhere in between, 
may your faith work for you. Please join me again.